illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here we'll tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, how in the heck are you doing? Yeah, you know, Billy. After Saturday, I'm recovering. Yeah. So that yeah. was a tough. Uh, that was a tough Saturday. It was. I was really thinking we were going to have a perfect day. It was. It was within four seconds of being a perfect day. Yeah. Yeah. Four ticks of the clock. But uh, oh, yep. Yeah, but we we jump ahead. Sorry. Well. The purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion with the Oregon State beers and others, and just generally talk beaver sports, football, tailgating, and have some fun along the way. Remind everyone, you can list us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitch Radio app, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgaterGmail.com, at HeinrichTailgater on Twitter, and HeinrichTailgater on Facebook. Beach, we have a little bit of listener feedback today. Ooh, all right. Who's feeding us back? Well, we have, we actually got three. Holy crap. Three, all well, three of our listeners wrote us, all three of our listeners wrote messages to us. No, we actually got oh. three emails from Dano. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and they were all within about two minutes of each other. <laughs> I couldn't sleep this okay, morning and I that? woke up and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Dano emailed. And then, oh, there's another email from Dano. Oh, there's another email from Dano. So. Was he, was he drunk text? Was he drunk texting you? Being as I got it at six o'clock in the morning, he's in Texas, so it was probably eight. If that, oh, if okay. That's drunk, drunk emailing at eight o'clock on a Sunday morning. That's impressive, especially at his age. Okay. All right. Okay. So Dano wrote, uh, email was titled "Pack 12 After Dark." So Dano writes, "Had the pleasure of catching the fourth quarter with some friends of mine who are Texas Tech grads last night, 
after watching the Red Raiders lose to Kansas State. While getting a drawn-out history about how Mike Leach was screwed out of his job at Tech, the Beavs went TD, onside kick TD, to go up by two scores. I made a side comment about how Wazoo looked to be cooking it tonight, which fell on deaf ears. With a few clicks on Urban Dictionary, I'm proud to say that I've introduced some new vernacular to the Lawrence Star State. Which brings... <laughs> yeah. So he, he included a thing about cooking it, which is yeah. uh, turning a sure win into a devastating loss. Yeah. Or as I like to say, clutching defeat from the jaws of victory. I, 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 I got I to gotta jump in here. Did you hear Leach's uh, interview after the game? Yeah. Where, where she asked oh, we, him, how does it feel like to be going to a bowl game five years in a row? And he goes, feels like you're going to bowl game five years in a row. Well, I, mine was, she said, she said something. He's like, he's like, well, we did our darndest to try to lose this one, but we did I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's trying to a bone. And yeah. it's just so awesome. Anyway, right. okay. Let me continue here. So Dano continues, which brings me to the game itself. Love the aggressiveness of putting the ball in the hands of your senior quarterback to make a play and win the game on fourth and short. Anything further than four yards out, and if we still had a Johnny Hecker on the team, I might be more inclined to punt. Spoiler alert for your Pac-12 week in review. After Oregon's loss at ASU, I think Oregon State has a legitimate shot to win in Eugene. Nothing I've seen from the Ux shows me they're a mentally tough team, and even with the nail-biter loss in Pullman. The Bees have to be coming into Civil War with a ton of confidence and some motivation to get that six-win mark. Signing off with a Texas-sized Go Beavs, Dano. And then, this is literally like eight minutes later, he emailed again and said, Speaking of Texas, been meaning to send you guys this video from, I think, the only punk rock band from Texas, Bowling for Soup. think it's a nice finale for the 1985 playlist. And it is... A video, it's a song from a couple of years, Bowling for Soup. They have a song called 1985. Mm-hmm. And that might be a good thing to do here in the next couple of weeks. We'll play that song. I, I, well, well, you know, it's it's funny because when I was thinking of, since it's my week to pick a song, uh-huh. when I was uh, driving home tonight from work, I, uh, I played it to try to get some inspiration mm-hmm. for a song. And I actually looked up because then I thought, well, we haven't done uh, – Tawny White Snake, Tawny Katane, and all that, and so I had to look it up, and because they mentioned that in that song, right? Yeah, but that was more like uh, 1987. 1982. Oh, Tawny Katane? No, the song was released. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, it was released. Okay, okay, because yeah. originally it was written in 1982. Yeah, and it was recorded in 1982, and they put out uh, White Snake put out a lot of stuff in Europe that did did really well. It didn't do well in the U.S. And they, they redid it and repackaged some stuff and, and redid it and released it in the U.S. and it subsequently went in the charts. So. Okay, kind of like GNR Lies. A little bit, yep. Okay. All right, so then about 10 minutes after that, got another email from Dan Owen, and this one says, Last email, I swear. Uh, normally, when I think of Youngstown State, I think of getting blown out by Ohio State by 60 and collecting a paycheck. Pretty cool thing they did for their – QB to end his career. So, Beach, I don't know if you heard about this. I did not, so okay. do tell. So, um, I'll read the article that he, he uh, linked here, and this is from CBS Sports, and this is what it says. While week 13 of the college football season is often talked about within the context of playoff or conference title races, plenty of schools are going through senior day ceremonies. It's a special time of the year that reminds us so many of these players are approaching the end of their careers. 
and because football is an unkind sport, not every senior gets the send-off they want or deserve. But you can't say Youngstown State quarterback Nathan Mays didn't get his. Now, Youngstown is the Penguins. Why Youngstown State is the Penguins, I'm not sure, because they're actually in Ohio. Youngstown, Ohio. But anyways, the, yeah. art- the article goes, With the Penguins up 21-3 on Illinois State, Mays was given one final opportunity to play. Mays, a senior, suffered a season-ending broken ankle earlier this month against North Dakota State. With his teammates' help, Mays hobbled on the field on 4th and 11 with 10 seconds left and knelt out the clock for the victory. And there's actually a clip of it. It's obviously not the exact way Mays wanted to end his career at Youngstown, but the fact he had an opportunity to do it all the same is special. The win moved the Penguins to 6-6 six and six on the year. Uh, now Mays said, quote, I had it planned. A lot of people thought I was just joking around. I said if we were up multiple scores at halftime, I was going to bring the pads out. Once it got closer and closer, I was just kind of it was just kind of flying by, and I didn't know if I had the guts to ask if I could finally do it. And when I went up to Bo, Bo was all about it. It didn't really hit me until I actually actually did it, and then I saw my dad in tears. It was pretty special. End quote. Now, Beach, the Bo he's talking about there is actually Bo Pelini. Mm-hmm. Bo Pelini, the ex Huskers coach. Okay. Who's always been kind of, he's a little bit of a, I always kind of thought he was a jackass on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I always claim that uh, Riley was a palate cleanser after, after Polini. But it's just cool it's, that he did it. And, he's, and he's coaching Youngstown now? Yeah, he's coaching Youngstown State in Ohio. Uh, okay, okay. But yeah, so they carried the they carried the quarterback out there and let him kneel down the, the last play. So Nice. It's just cool that he got to go out on his terms. Yeah. Anyways, so that's all the uh, listener feedback this week. Thanks, uh, Dano, for the emails. Anyone else wants to send us stuff, we will read it on the show. All right, Beach, you ready to get into some Beaver sports news? Oh, hopefully some positive stuff and not a lot of butts. What do we got? Well, Beach, first up is women's volleyball. Amy Underdown registered a season-best 20 kills, and Haley Bennett added 19. But. The Oregon State volleyball team fell short in its comeback at USC in five sets Thursday night. It is a third straight five-set loss for the Beavs. God dang, we should just we just throw in the towel. Then, Beach, on Sunday afternoon, Maddie Goings tallied a dozen kills to pace the Oregon State offense. But? The Beavers volleyball team fell in three sets at UCLA. Now, with that loss, the Beavs' record falls to 9-20 and 20 overall, 3-15 and 15 in the Pac-12, and they are back on the court this week to finish the season with road matches at Utah on Wednesday at 3 and Oregon at 5 on Friday. Well, let's hope they can beat Oregon on Friday. Let's hope so, because they already beat them once, and you know what? If you beat, you beat the Ducks, successful season. Absolutely. Make them your bitch. All right. All right, Beach. next up is men's soccer. Now, the men did not make the uh, NCAA tournament, but five Oregon State men's soccer players have earned all Pac-12 recognition, the conference announced on Wednesday. So Fane Javal, Joel Walker, and Joe Hafferty all made the Pac-12 first team, while Adrian Crespo was named to the conference's second team. And Eric Diaz netted all Pac-12 honorable mention. Hmm. But they got screwed out of playing in post-conference. Yeah, I thought they had a, a Kind of like the women, I thought they had a good shot at making it. But they didn't. So. Damn it. All right. Next up, Beach is wrestling. 
How are we doing? Well, Oregon State took on George Mason in its second duel of the season on Thursday night as the Beavs defeated the Patriots in comeback fashion by a final score of 26-16. Now, the Beavs were down by five points late in the match and would then use five straight victories to close out the duel and earn the hard-fought victory. Redshirt junior Devin Turner moved to 5-0 in the season as he capped off the night with a quick 5-0 decision. Hmm. And then on Saturday in Annapolis, Maryland, at the 42nd Annual Navy Classic, Oregon State Wrestling placed three wrestlers inside the top six. Devin Turner at 133, Brandon Kaler at 125, Jamarcus Grant at 285, and Lade Stiggle at 149 each collected individual placements in their respective weight class. Oregon State earned 12th place in the 18-team field with 48 points, with a total of six Beavers making it to the quarterfinals. Now, Richard sophomore Lane Stiggle captured the highest placement for the Beeves with a fourth-place effort at 149 pounds. Stiggle went 2-2 on the day and used a 9-1 major decision to push into the quarterfinals. Billy, what are the weight classes in in wrestling? Ah, hell, Beach, I don't know. Let me look. I mean, I always get, you know, when they're like 123 or, you know, 146. I'm like, what, you know, what's the range? So, your weight classes for wrestling are... Okay. So, here's college. All right, I'm ready. 125, 133, 141, 149, 157, 165, 174, 184, 197, and heavyweight, um, which goes to 285. So pretty much 200 to 285, your heavyweight? Uh, yeah. I think they just called us fat. Pretty much. Bastards. So, Interesting. So it starts out 8 pounds, 8 pounds difference, 12 pounds difference, 8 pounds difference, 8 pounds. So, yeah, there you go. Hmm. That's collegiate. What's interesting here is they've got different, different uh, weight classes for all these things. State of Michigan uses different classes. New York uses uses different classes. Montana really? has different stuff. Yeah, they all have their they all have slightly different things. So, there you go. Hmm. Okay, a lot of weight classes. I'm surprised. Yeah. All right, Beach. Uh, time to move on to some women's basketball. Women's basketball. What do we got? Oregon State standout Taylor Jones uh, earned her second straight Pac-12 Freshman of the Week honor, the Pac-12 announced last Monday. Now, Jones has won the award the first two weeks of the 2019-2020 season. She joins Jamie Weisner, Sidney Weiss, and Michaela Pivik as the only players in Beaver history to earn this honor twice in a season and sits alongside Weisner as the only Oregon State player to take the recognition in back-to-back weeks. Wow. And then for the team, Beach, on Thursday, the number five Oregon State women's basketball team hosted a capacity crowd for its annual Beavers Beyond the Classroom Games, as 9,301 fans, mostly local students, watched the Beavers take down Southern Utah 95-45. to Michaela Pivot wow. tallied her third double-double of the season, going for 10 points, 18 rebounds, and 7 assists. Taylor Jones continued her stellar freshman campaign with 18 points on 8-for-12 shooting from the floor. Oregon State is now 5-0 on the season. We'll hit the road for the first time next week when they head to Miami for a two-game tournament that will pit the Beavers against number 16 Miami on Friday and Liberty on Saturday. That's this week. 
Miami, Florida, you said? Yeah. Okay. So they're playing Miami Not, on Friday and then Liberty on Saturday. Miami's ranked in the top 25, number 16. So that's great. Well, you, you, you mentioned double-double, and I just wanted to you know tell our audience that. I was just a, thinking the same thing. I've got a pretty good inside source that in and out home of the double-double, uh, should open up on December 12th. That is what I've heard. The one in Kaiser. Yes, the one in Kaiser. They they haven't uh, formally announced an opening date, but I have it from good sources, pretty much the people who work down at the one in Grants Pass, that they said it's supposed to open up on the 12th. And it looks amazing. We drove by it today on our way up to uh, Beaverton. And it just, it's, looks, it's it look, just looks glorious. Uh, you, you know, it's just... I never thought in my lifetime I would see an in and out up here. Correct. You know, it's, it's just, I was, I was reading an article the other day. It says there's, they're trying to put one in Colorado or something like that. And like the city council's bitching because they estimate, you know, the amount of cars and traffic and stuff. And I just think oh, to myself, no. there's going to be a lot of business coming in. Oh, whatever what? the hell should we do? Oh my God. There's going to be bringing in jobs. Oh hell. Oh. What are we going to do? It's going to make people happy, and they're going to be buying something that they want to buy. Oh, heaven forbid the people be happy, you know? I well, the traffic's terrible. Well, then don't drive there. The traffic's terrible. You know? Well, but then the figure people... out what you need to do to fix it. Yeah, that's your job, not to deny people what they want, but to take down the roadblocks so they can have what they want. Exactly. city doesn't understand their job. They want to, anyway. they want to open a biz- business, right, that's going to prosper. And if it prospers, yeah. the city will benefit from that. So well, the people does, benefit. I mean, well, I'm just saying, but is. the city's going to benefit, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So why are you, what are you doing to help move this along instead of being a pain in the ass? Well, that, that was my whole view. I mean, the, the whole thing with the, the in and out here in Kaiser, you know, Kaiser steps up and they've picked us to build their new in and out. And well, we're working to adjust our, our standards uh, and our zoning on awnings so that we can allow them to build their building. You stupid sons of bitches. Get out of the way. Yeah. I don't care if a guy puts up a six-foot-tall sign or a 60-foot-tall sign. His business, his building, his property, let him do it. All you guys got to worry about is how to get electricity there, plumbing there, and make sure that the roadways are safe to get there. Yeah. That's your job. Your job yeah. isn't to tell them what color to paint the building. Your job isn't to tell them how to put awnings on. I honestly don't give a damn. I mean, all this stupid crap on zoning and regulations and well, we're trying to beautify. I don't care. Let people build what they want to build. Don't stifle them. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me of that. Remember that Harry Chapin song? Have you ever heard it? Uh, where the little kids painting, painting all the colors in the rainbow. Have oh, you ever heard yeah, that song? Pa- yeah, he's painting the grass blue and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and and, and the, the teacher and the down teacher going, comes no. up and goes, no, red roses are red, you know, and, and this and, and she stifles, yeah, and she stifles him, stifles mm-hmm. him, and every time he tries to go up, and then he gets stifled as he's growing up, and finally he just falls in line and and says, okay, I'm gonna paint the roses red because that's what I'm supposed to do, you know, and and I mean, I I, I wholeheartedly feel this way. I remember Pizza Schmitz a while back, they built a, a building in uh, Beaverton. And they put up like a, a metal sculpture sign that was kind of in the shape of a logo of the pizza. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had to fight with the city of Beaverton over it because they're like, it's a sign. And they're like, no, it's artwork. No, it's a sign. Well, I don't think anybody really gives a damn. They just want to buy pizza. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I don't give a damn about, about in and outs awnings or their, their you know, 
Mm-hmm. I I just won a double double and a half and half shake and cheese fries. There you go. Okay. Anyway, sorry, got sidetracked on the double double. Let's get back to sports, Billy. What do we got? All right, Beach. Well, let's move on to men's basketball. Trace Tinkle at 27 points and 11 rebounds to lead Oregon State to a 78 to 67 win over UC Santa Barbara on Wednesday at Gill. It was the fourth double-double of the season in five games and the 25th of Tinkle's career. He also passed Stephen Thompson Jr. and moved into fourth on Oregon State's career scoring list with 1,774 points. Kyler Kelly then scored a career-high 22 points and added seven block shots to lead Oregon State to an 80-58 win over Grambling State on Saturday afternoon at Gill. Alfred Hollins added 18 Six rebounds and four assists. Trace Tinkle finished with 17 points, six rebounds and six assists, and three steals. And Ethan Thompson added 13 points, eight rebounds and four assists to help the Beavs move to 5-1 and one on the season. The Beavs will next travel to Vegas to play San Jose State on Wednesday at Orleans Arena in the Continental Tire Las Vegas Classic. That game will tip off at 8 p.m. and be televised nationally on FS1. Down in Vegas. Down in what Vegas. Happens in, what, what happens? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, mm-hmm. except herpes. That shit follows you everywhere. That's exactly right. Anyway. No, Billy. Yeah, Beans. Billy. Yes, Beans. You hear that? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I heard it a couple times. Oh, Billy, this just in. Eugene City officials announced public health warning. Late Saturday evening, Eugene City officials announced via a reverse 911 call to stop drinking the Kool-Aid. It seems shortly after the Ducks lost on the evening of the 23rd, a large percentage of the population in Eugene experienced temporary amnesia. It became apparent to local police that something was wrong when random people started falling ill throughout the city. While most were at local sports bars earlier, there was not any bar in particular that the people had gone to. As they interviewed the residents, one common theme was all had been drinking the Kool-Aid and none could recall what happened during the duck game. They were confused, delirious, and in some cases, nutty as fruitcakes, said Officer Harry Johnson of the Eugene Police Department. After we realized the Kool-Aid was the link, we advised the city to make the announcement. We can only hope we got the message out in time. This has been your update from Eugene. There you go. Are you there? I'm here. I was okay, listening okay. to you. I'm, I'm not drinking that damn right. Kool-Aid. Uh, so, yeah, I, I heard about this on the news. They said that uh, people were like, hey, what you know? What happened in the duck game? They're like, I, I don't know what happened in the duck game. I, I just don't know what happened in the duck game. So, uh, speaking of that, Billy, what happened in the duck game? Well, it is now time to go under further review for week number 13 in the Pac-12. After further review... The runner did cross the line. Touchdown! I thought thought that was a pretty good segue there. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. All right. Um, Heading into the week, Kyle, I hate you, Kyle, was in last place at 42 out of 79. You were in second place at 46 out of 79. And I was in first place at 50 out of 79. And let's head into it. All right, Beach, all the games were on Saturday, November 23rd. First up. UCLA at USC for the victory bell. And I picked UCLA while you guys picked the men of Troy. Correct. How'd that turn out, Billy? 
USC quarterback Keaton Slovis passed for a school record 515 yards and threw four touchdown passes in USC's 52-35 victory over UCLA in the school's 89th meeting. Slovis and 400-yard receivers carried the Trojans to the victory bell with another landmark performance in the 18-year-old passer's shockingly impressive debut season. During his fourth 400-yard performance in the last five games, Slovis surpassed Matt Barkley's single-game USC records against UCLA and against any opponent in the fourth quarter, while coordinator Graham Harrell's offense racked up 643 yards. So I lost. Yes. Michael Pittman Jr. caught two touchdown passes, and Vivi Malipe rushed for two scores as the Trojans wrapped up their regular season with their 16th win in the last 21 meetings with UCLA. Drake London and Tyler Vaughns also caught TD passes, while USC survived a tumultuous second half at the Coliseum and eliminated the rival Bruins from bowl contention. Now, a year after UCLA's Joshua Kelly broke the Crosstown Showdown's rushing yardage record, Slovis broke its own passing record while USC to its 10th win in the Bruins' last 11 visits to the Coliseum. So yes, you lost. Kyle and I both won. Okay. Now see the... Okay. You picked different because you thought that was good for you, right? Well, I had to, and in some ways, I felt like I had to stretch it uh-huh. to try to come up to to get the the four point deficit that I'm dealing with. Okay, you know, it's it. You got to go for it. You know, sometimes you got to go for it on fourth down. All right, Beach. Up next, Cal at Stanford. And you and Kyle pick Cal, and again, I stepped outside of the the norm pick Stanford to try to grasp that extra point. Yep. How did I do Billy? And I'm pretty sure I know Cal quarterback chase Garbers scored on a 16 yard scramble with a minute 19 remaining in the fourth quarter, lifting Cal to a 24 to 20 win over Stanford in the 122nd annual big game on Saturday and bringing the Stanford ax back to Berkeley for the first time since 2009. Now Garbers, who was knocked out of they've last, been, they've lost for ten for ten straight, almost nine straight years. Ten yeah. years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now Garbers, who was knocked out of last week's loss to USC, passed for 285 yards and a touchdown, and ran for 72 yards on 13 carries. His final run came after he overthrew Nico Remigio in the end zone and helped the Golden Bears end a nine-game losing streak to their San Francisco Bay rivals. Now the Bears forced two turnovers and stopped Cardinal running back Cameron Scarlett on a fourth-and-one play to seal the win. The play was reviewed and upheld. Now, Stanford mm. took a 20-17 to lead on Ryan Sanborn's 44-yard field goal with 2.23 left in the fourth quarter. Sanborn earlier made a career-best 48-yarder. So Kyle and I got wins on there, and I think that's it. And I suck. So, uh, yeah. But I don't think the rest of this week treated us very well, though. All right, Beach, up next, Oregon at Arizona State. And we all picked the Ucks. Yes, we did. Arizona State freshman Jaden Daniels completed 22 of 32 passes for 408 yards and three touchdowns, and Arizona State intercepted two of Justin Herbert's passes in the fourth quarter 
helping the Sun Devils upset number six Oregon 31 to 28 on Saturday night. The Sun Devils held on after Oregon scored three touchdowns in a 638 span in the wild fourth quarter. Now the Ducks, down 24-7 with 8.42 to play, scored twice on three play drives. It took them 59 seconds to make it 24-14 on Cyrus Habibi Likio's touchdown run, then 43 seconds to get Herbert's scoring pass to Johnny Johnson III. Then, with Arizona State facing third and 16, Daniels hit Brandon Ayuk in stride for an 81-yard touchdown strike with 3.54 to play. Herbert and Johnson beautiful, connect- beautiful. It was beautiful throw. Herbert and Johnson connected again for a touchdown with 2:04 left, but Arizona State was able to run out the clock. Now Daniels found holes in the secondary all night, hitting Frank Darby for touchdown passes of 57 and 26 yards. Daniels had eight completions of 17 yards or more as Arizona State scored 21 straight points after trailing seven to nothing in the first quarter. Now Daniels completed his first 12 passes of the game. Brandon Ayuk had seven catches for 161 yards. Darby finished with four for 125. And running back Eno Benjamin had 168 total yards. Christians and Dejas made three short field goals, including a 22-yard kick for a 17-point lead. Now, for Oregon, Herbert was 20 of 36 for 304 yards. C.J. Verdell rushed for 99 yards and 18 carries. And Johnson had 10 catches for 270 yards. 207 yards, didn't excuse like, me. Didn't he have, like, three interceptions, though? Yes, Herbert did throw 300 picks. Now, Arizona yeah. State got the game's only own. He actually. Arizona State got the game's only two takeaways. The first interception by Jack Jones on the first play of the fourth quarter. Four plays later, Daniels hit Darby in the back of the end zone for a 26 yard touchdown pass, then found Benjamin for the two point conversion at 21 7 lead. After throwing just one interception in, in the first eight games of the season, Herbert has four in his last three games. Didn't you say that the Ducks' secondary is just really weak? I think so. I mean, haven't you been saying that this season? Yeah. And, and anyway, that 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 touchdown was just beautiful. We were jumping back and forth between the two games. So was I. Uh, the Beaver game and the Yuck game. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, uh, it was it was it was beautiful beautiful day. So at the end of that game. Yep. And then. Well, up next, Beach, we, we were had, catching the. Yep. So none of us got the win there. Up next was Utah at Arizona. And from what I could tell when I watched about two seconds of that game, it looked like Utah was just having their way with Arizona. Pretty much. Utah running back Zach Moss ran for a season-high 203 yards, and number seven Utah rolled to a 35-7 victory over Arizona on Saturday night. Utah's defense was dominant once again, holding an opponent to seven points or fewer for the fifth time in six games. Now, Arizona managed just 196 total yards, and a big chunk of those came in the fourth quarter when mostly backups were playing. Utah quarterback Tyler Huntley completed 19 of 23 passes for 211 yards with one touchdown and one interception. The 5'10", 222-pound Moss barreled through the Arizona defense all night, averaging 7.8 yards per carry. Tight end Brant Cuth. That's just unreal. Yeah. Tight end Brant Cuthy ran for two touchdowns on two carries. He had just one carry all season before Saturday. Now, the Utes dominated the first half, gaining 291 total yards to Arizona's 56. They scored on Cuthy's three yard touchdown and Huntley's three yard pass to Damari Simpkins to take a 14 nothing lead by halftime. Utah had a great chance to score a third touchdown just before halftime, but was stopped at the one-yard line as time expired. 
The defensive stand gave the Wildcats a little momentum heading into the second half until Moss ran for a 41-yard touchdown on the opening drive to leave little doubt about the outcome. Mm. So we all got the win on that one. All right, two games left on the docket. Washington at Colorado is up next, Peach. Yeah, and uh, we all picked Washington, but as I've said before, sunshine's on a dog's ass once in a while. Yeah, or a buffalo butt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Colorado quarterback Steven Montez threw for a touchdown and led a long final drive from the shadow of his own end zone to run out the clock as Colorado beat Washington 20-14 to Saturday night. Alex Fontenet added 105 yards rushing and a touchdown on 24 carries, springing free for a couple of first down runs on the Buffalo's last drive, which ran off the final five minutes and nine seconds. It began at the Buffalo's one and ended with Montez taking a knee at the Huskies 18 to run out the five seconds. The victory for Colorado snacked a nine game losing streak to Washington. Now Montez, a senior playing in his final home game, finished 17 of 28 for 223 yards. Now, for Washington, quarterback Jacob Eason was 21 of 34 for 206 yards with a touchdown for the Huskies, whose offense was disrupted by constant pressure from a Colorado defense that produced five sacks. The Huskies were outgained. They were all over them. Oh, yeah. The Huskies were outgained 430 to 230, and their running game went nowhere, generating a measly 32 yards. Now, trailing by 13, Washington got on the scoreboard midway through the third quarter on Richard Newton's short touchdown run, capping a 75-yard drive that was extended by an unnecessary roughness call against Colorado. Now, Colorado answered with a two-yard scoring run by Fontenot, but the Huskies fought back with another score. Easton converted a fourth down play with a nine-yard completion to Aaron Fuller and threw a 15-yard touchdown to Kane Oten on the next play pulling the Huskies, the Huskies to within six points with 12.35 remaining. But Colorado's defense and then its offense shut the door to further scoring by Washington. Two short field goals by Evan Price and LaVisca Chenault's touchdown catch put Colorado up 13-0 at halftime. Now, Chenault managed to gather in a pass in the end zone after it skipped off the top of a defensive back, uh, off the top of a defensive back's shoulder pads. So that was a, it was actually a great game. Colorado just went out and played amazing. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Beach. So none of us got the win there. And last but not least, and, and that and, and and that loss actually helped the Beebs out. Correct. Not really. Because aren't the Huskies and the Beavers tied rank in the Pac-12? Oh yeah, the, the Beavers are still ahead of them. Yeah. Yeah, the Beavers the Beavs are still ahead of them. We'll we'll talk about that in a, in a couple minutes. All right, Beach. So okay. last up, Oregon State at Washington State. And we all picked the Beavers because we're homers, and we actually picked a team that coulda, shoulda, woulda won a game. Well, Beach. But? Washington State quarterback Anthony Gordon led a 10-play, 58-yard touchdown drive with 110 left in the fourth quarter to give the Cougs a 54-53 victory over Oregon State Saturday night. Gordon went 50 of 70 for 606 yards, six touchdowns, and three interceptions. He he has 45 touchdown passes on the season, breaking Jake Browning and Jeff Jared Goff's Pac-12 single-season passing record. Now, Renard Bell had 108 receiving yards and two TDs, and Desmond Patman added 75 yards and two touchdowns for the Cougs while Max Borgie rushed for 44 yards and two touchdowns, including the game winner. Now, Jake Luton for the Bees. Beach was 22 of 40 for 408 passing yards, five TDs, and one interceptions. Jamar Jefferson rushed for 130 yards and two TDs. He had two receiving touchdowns as well. 
And also, Champ Fleming's had 110 yards Jefferson, receiving yep. and a touchdown. Jefferson looked good. Uh, you know, I thought the offense just looked pretty damn good, all things considered. I mean, shoot, they yeah. put up 52 yeah. points. Now, yeah. there's obviously been a lot of talk about the fourth down play. So the Beavs had it, uh, what, about the 43-yard line of Washington State? I, I think going for it wasn't the – I don't think – I think going for it was the right decision. I don't know if that play was a good play call. Well, I, I first of all, just going for it on fourth down. At that point, I mean, Washington State is the number one passing offense in the nation. So mm-hmm. at fourth fourth down, how how are you gonna how are you gonna play it? Are you gonna play to win, or are you gonna play not to lose? Because playing not to lose, you punt it away. And maybe pick up another 10, maybe 20, maybe 30 yards at most on a punt. Mm-hmm. Play to mm-hmm. win, you go out, get the first down, the game's over. So how are you going to play? Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind the aggressiveness. I like playing to win. Especially since your defense has yeah. been playing great. They've got five turnovers on the game. And Washington State has still put up you know, almost 50 points. Yeah. Um, now, I don't think that play was bad. I, you know, the, he was there. The, the pass was there. The, the play was there. The pass was a little high. Mm-hmm. You know, he catches that. The game's over. Well, well you know, and, and not on that particular play, but throughout the night, it, it, uh, there was a lot of drop balls that were right at there the guys, was, which was made me two, think that the ball was hard. Well, it's cold. The, the ball um, being cold. It's hard. Yeah, there was two other fourth down plays that they had. Ball was there, just need to be caught. Now this one, I wouldn't. That the last fourth down play, I wouldn't put on the tight end. the The pass was high. Yeah, pass was high. Yeah. If it's another foot lower, then I think the game's over. So, uh, but uh, yeah. I don't mind the aggressiveness. I I just I don't think uh, you know the onside kick was the well the onside kick was beautiful call. Oh, it was beautiful. I mean, that, that, that saved our bank. We put on, 20, what did they say, 29 points in the third quarter. Correct, the fourth quarter. B was, scored 29 was, points in the fourth yeah. quarter. Oh, it was, they, they, it was phenomenal. Yeah. So, they, they on the second half, they did, they were that, actually, because, yeah, I think Washington State came back in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, we just came back with a vengeance. And, I mean, damn it. Uh, it was so close. Yeah, I know, you know there's a lot of people that were complaining about the Beavs not getting a lot of pressure on Gordon back there. They were only rushing three or four players, but part of that is Washington State mm-hmm. runs so many damn receivers out there. What do you do? You know, yeah, you either put pressure on the quarterback and pray that his receivers don't get underneath him in time, or you get to you get to him quicker than he can throw, or you don't get to him but you cover his receiver so bad that he doesn't know where to throw it to. Yeah. And you looked at the game and how oftentimes did he not make a throw because he couldn't, uh, yeah. he couldn't find anybody open. There, there was a couple of times that they, so they, 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 I, I felt so our it's, coverage. It's, it's pick your poison, right? Do you give him the chance to sit back there and make the throw mm-hmm. or, or do you try to pressure him and give up plays? Cause you don't have enough guys back in coverage. Yeah. Expose so, yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, Expose it's, yourself to a big play. Exactly. Choose, pick your poison. Um, but I, you know, for the most part, I thought the defense played extremely well. Geez, they had a ton of turnovers, and mm-hmm. it's just—it was just right there. It just—it just another game to piss you off because that's three games this season. The Beavs had every reason to win. 
You know? Yeah. They 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 had these guys dead to rights. Mm -hmm. Just just I I it it was it was you know. Yeah. I, I also didn't like you know, I also didn't like the defense on the the last scoring play for Washington State. They left that middle wide open and I mean I could see it and I'm like they're going to give it to Borgie right up the middle. Again, that, that's again, exactly what dad said. Too. Again, again dad choose your dad. poison but you're you're at the two. No, I, I also exactly I also didn't well, I also didn't like that that pass interference in the end zone a couple plays before that. That was weak. Well, that my, was so my, weak. My problem with that and, and is, I, you, you kind of make sure. well, I was just gonna say right, go they've ahead. been letting so much contact go for the rest of the of the game, right? Mm -hmm. That there was no more contact there than anything mm -hmm. else. A couple of the Beavers uh, receivers had been completely mugged on scoring plays, and no flag was thrown. And that thing, I mean, mm -hmm. did he have his hand on his shoulder? Well, yeah, and, but and, it wasn't uh, affecting anything. Well, and then they also called. They, they also called that targeting uh, penalty uh, a couple of plays before too. Yeah, which in, which in effect was a that timeout. Was so far from being a, it was so far from being a targeting call. I know, and in effect, it was a timeout so, for Washington State because it stopped the clock. There was a couple minutes of mm -hmm. nothing going on, and they were able to regroup. And it was a bad call. I saw mm -hmm. it. I saw it. You know, as soon as they ran it, I'm like, that was a targeting. He hit him with a shoulder in the shoulder. So yeah. I mean, it was violent, but but it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't the I I don't know I I wasn't that the same ref who called the uh, the pass interference yep, too. Yeah, it was the same ref over the top. But I still say you. I think uh, it was. I think it was the back judge. Oh, it was. And but I still say you uh, you complete that fourth down play and the game's over. So. Mhm. Mm anyways, anyways, yeah. tough yeah, I, tough I loss for the bees. I was jumping around here, ranting and raving, cussing my brains out. Especially the last couple of drives. I yeah. was like, oh, we got to get a first down. Now, I, you know, I I understand, too, running those first couple running plays because you want them to burn timeouts, but they're expecting running plays. Throw the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Throw it on first down. Surprise Makes the crap wonder, out yeah, of them. Just, yeah, go for, the, go, go for the juggler. Yeah, so. yeah run your offense. I hate losing to the I hate losing to the Kooks though. Yeah, I know. Especially so, it would have been nice to secure anyway, that. Uh, and and when was last, did we beat the Kooks last? No, we haven't beat the Kooks in quite a few years, have we? Oh, it's been 2013, I believe. And we've had them down and out a couple of times over those times. Where you know there was one game I, I, at I saw people... there was a game at Reeser a few years ago. I think when Anderson was coaching, where the Bees had a good lead at halftime. And Washington State came back and won the game. But anyways. Well, this is John. This is Jonathan's second year, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so they were picked to win two games this year, and they easily could have eight wins right now. So. Mm -hmm. But I want to go to a bowl right game. There. Damn it. I want to see the Beavs in poll. All right, Beach. It is now time to talk yeah. for the Pac-12 in the polls. In the AP poll that came okay. out on Sunday, Utah is in at number six. Oregon fell all the way down to number 14. And USC shows up at number 25. No natty. No natty. No natty. No natty. I was showing that to Jess the other night, too. <laughs> no natty. No natty. That video of the guy standing out there yelling at the Oregon uh -huh. players. No natty. No natty. <laughs> um, uh, USC is number 25, and Arizona State is in the others receiving votes category. Now, in the USA Today coaches poll, Utah is in at number six. 
Oregon at 13, USC at 25. Now, Beach, I was looking at the playoff picture, and for the Pac-12, mm-hmm. obviously Utah was in at number six. We won't know until Tuesday morning, or excuse me, Tuesday evening, where they're fall. They're actually, they were seven. Oregon was six. I believe Utah will probably move up to six because of where everybody else was, um, and nobody ahead of them fell. But a but couple you, of those teams are going to have to be play in the top four. Need to be in the top four. Well, and here's the thing, okay. too. For Utah, because they're about the only hope of the Pac-12 getting in the playoffs, for Utah to get in the playoffs, they need to win next week against Colorado, and they need, they need mm-hmm. to beat Oregon. But they need Oregon to be as high as possible in their rankings, right? So us we, beating Oregon, they, they're actually rooting for Oregon to beat us for their benefit. Yes, but uh, we're hoping Utah yeah. just goes to the Rose Bowl. That's not, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with the Rose Bowl. It's nope. Damn. I mean, what the I, my, my view always is. The Rose Bowl. Screw everything mm-hmm. else. Yep. So, uh, then, well, yeah. we'll find out more this week. Um, USC is the only team that's done. Everybody else still has game to play. Hmm. So, all right, Beej, it is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. Jackass of the Week War. Every week we'll discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beej, it's time. Well, these probably these people aren't even freaking fans. Did you see what happened in the Harvard-Yale game on Saturday? No, I did oh, not. Oh, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. So, Beej, okay. spectators rushed the field at halftime to protest climate change, delaying the start of the second half by nearly an hour and causing the game to finish in near darkness. Now, the 136th edition of the game, it's just called the game, between the Ivy League rivals went to halftime around 1.40, and students from both schools occupied midfield after the Yale band finished performing. Now, most protesters left after about an hour when they were escorted off by police who then told about two dozen who remained they were under arrest. The field was ultimately cleared, and the game resumed at 10.48. However, the delay led to an issue for the game's finish, because the Yale Bowl Beach lacks stadium lights, and sunset in New Haven, Connecticut was set for 4.26 on Saturday. Now, the darkness problem was compounded as the game went to double overtime, but Yale ultimately got a stop to win 50-43. to and secure a share of the Ivy League title at 4.38. So 12 minutes after sunset. Now, in a statement, the Ivy League referred to the protest as, quote, regrettable. Yale said that while it, quote, stands firmly for the right to free expression, it had issues with how the protesters went about their demonstration. Yale said in its statement, quote, the exercise of free expression on campus is subject to general conditions, and we do not allow disruption of university events. Now, BGL coach Tony Reno said the unusual interruption was an example of what has made his university's rivalry with Yale, or his university's rivalry with Harvard, stand the test of time. He said it what makes Yale, Yale. Our group, I'm sure if you ask them and the Harvard guys what makes it special, it's not only the game of football, it's the passions. Now, players were stretching and warming up as the protesters took the field. The public address announcer implored the group to leave, repeatedly saying, as a courtesy to both teams, the game must resume. 
But the protesters responded by chanting, Okay, Boomer. Now, some protesters held banners asking their universities to act on climate change and Puerto Rico debt relief, including one side that read, quote, Nobody wins. Yale and Harvard are complicit in climate injustice. Another read, This is an emergency. Some chanted, Hey, hey, ho, ho, fossil fuels have got to go. So some protesters tied themselves together and requesting police to arrest them. A protest leader encouraged all, quote, internationals to leave. An agreement was reached to escort those remaining off with one police officer to every two protesters. Those who did not leave were then informed by Higgins, or were then informed they would be arrested. Between 20 and 30 protesters were arrested, according to the organizers. Now, they said about 150 students from the two universities planned to participate in the protest. She said about 100 more students who had been sitting in the stands joined in. And they said they've been uh, coordinating this protest for months. Now, BJ, I got a question for you. Yeah. How many minds do you think they changed? None. None. So you had 150 people out there for over an hour, right? That's 150 Mm -hmm. hours. Do you think they could have spent 150 man hours doing something that actually made a damn difference? Planting trees, picking up trash. Doing something, right? Do something actually does something. Going out there at the halftime of a football game isn't going to do a damn thing. I, I just, you know, I sit here and I listen to it, and I just can't help but think how indoctrinated these poor little kids are. Yeah. Well, you know, it, that, that they've been fed this stuff, and, and, and whether – man's impacting climate changes that is as drastic as as they perceive it to be i i i guess i just they they sit there and protest but if you were to try to have a conversation with them about climate change and about other impacts they would deny you i know And, and here's my thing beach if nothing else i'm all for doing stuff as efficiently as possible right Mm-hmm. If if there's yeah. a more efficient way to do something, great, right? If we can conserve energy, perfect. I'm all for it. That's I think free, anyone yeah, would be for it. Push. If that's we, what free markets push. For. I know. If we could come up with a a, 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 an, a an energy source that didn't burn fossil fuels, I think everyone would be for it, right? Uh, yeah, if we, we could come, we're up, not going to say no. If we could come up with a way that could power everything through solar, I think everyone would be for it. Well, but but then then you have to question though. They uh, was it in Seattle? They've banned natural gas in new new home construction. Really? I believe so. I believe it was Seattle. Don't hold me to that. But I want to say it was Seattle that passed a law that said you can no longer use natural gas in in home construction. So that means no natural gas furnaces, no natural gas uh, ranges, no natural gas uh, uh, clothes dryers. Okay, so and because it's a fossil fuel, okay. but what they don't seem to acknowledge is, is natural gas is one of the cleanest burning fossil fuels out there, and if you're not okay, using so, natural gas to, so it says they what, they are you looking it up? Yeah, I did. It says they delayed a vote on the ban of natural gas until December to ban gas okay. piping systems but, in newly constructed but, but, homes. 
the the fact is though that it's even on the table that they're discussing it is pathetic. I mean, it's just like it's like we we talk and and granted we we live over here on the west coast, so we always think well, a lot of our electricity comes out of dams for the most part. True, most part, right? Yeah. M- mostly, most, mostly dams. But if you're in the northeast, um, most of that comes from from coal burning. Yeah. And so you sit there, and these people who stand around and say, "Look, I'm driving my electric car, and I'm I'm being good for the environment." Well, if you're driving an electric car over in the Northeast, you're powering that electric car with coal because coal has to be burned to charge your car. You know, yeah. it doesn't just come out of the wall magically. Oh, I agree. It, it has to be produced. Yeah. And so, you know, if you I, I, I guess I just sit there and I just question everybody's logic anymore, cool. you agree. know. And again, this kind of goes back to uh, this goes back to my, my view on uh, on in and out. Just let the market do its thing. Oh, I know. If you, I mean, do you realize how much money that uh, auto manufacturers have to use every year to be compliant for all of the government regulations that are put on them? And then they have to pass those expenses on to the consumer because they can't just absorb them. Oh, yeah. I mean, because that's what's going to happen. So, exactly. So, which also prevents them from doing other R&D doing any kind of great improvement. I mean, if you look at vehicles nowadays across the board, they all look the same. Mm-hmm. Nobody does hardly any innovation. It's it's just stair-stepping, barely. And again, back in the old days, when you had unbridled competition, they were trying to outdo one another. Now they just try to do, well, we're, we're as good. Well, we're close, you know. Mm-hmm. There, there's no... I don't know. It's just it just disappoints me, and I can't help but think that if we didn't have all the government regulation, these businesses would be more aggressive in competition. But right now, they have a captive market. Yeah. So. Yep. yep. Anyways, speaking of that, this all, did I you just, see? I just uh, saw, did you see I, Tesla? The Tesla truck. Did you see Tesla? Yeah, his unbreakable glass. Yeah, that was funny. That. <laughs> that that truck is just <laughs> ugly too. You, you know, there was a Twitter comment says, "Wow, they built the car. They, they built the car just like I drew one back when I was five. Mm-hmm, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's a couple. I, you know, it's funny because it's so different than the cars they built. I do have to say the tailgate was cool. Did you see the tailgate? No. It it dropped down and made a ramp oh, all the way to the ground. That's kind of cool. So you you could drive. Yeah. So if you you're a motorcycle enthusiast or something, you could drive it up there. Um, you know, or or just anything you walk walk up there. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. But it is one weird look thing. But hell, you know, but, if he can build it for forty thousand dollars and it's coal powered, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, back to the uh, Yale Harvard uh, climate change protesters. It was just stupid. It was a gigantic waste of time. And if they actually used those all those hours they spent planning and then sitting out there doing nothing, they probably could have done something that actually made an impact. Because what they did is they went out there, they changed nobody's mind, and they wasted everybody's time. Yeah, imagine if they, like you were saying, though, so they, they had all that man hours. Imagine if instead of organizing a protest, they organized an environmental uh, improvement, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. We are going to go out, we're going to clean up a park, we're going to plant trees, we are going to, I don't know what kind of environmental things we're going to do, you know? I mean, you know, we're, we're going to push for a bike to work day, you know, or a bike to school day or whatever you can do, you know, even if it's a small effort, making people aware, Mm -hmm. but that, that has a more positive awareness than just being a dick Mm -hmm. and, and screwing up your, uh, your football game. I mean, 
yeah. It's just stupid. So to all the so, climate change protesters at the yeah. Harvard Yale football game, you get this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the week. All right, Beach. It's now time for our musical interlude of the week. Most of our haven't our majority of our presidents come from Harvard. I don't know. And they've all been really bad. And most of the ones that came from Harvard have been really bad presidents. That's what I heard. Probably. So, all right, Beach. It's now time for your pick. I think good comes from Harvard. It's your time to pick the musical interlude of the week. Okay. All right, my turn. Okay. This song was sung by a girl that I would have masturbated to had I known what masturbation was at the time. But alas, I was just a nine-year-old boy with a clean mind and pubilist genitalia when, when this song came out. Anyway, truly loved this girl. Thought she was gorgeous. And uh, it wasn't just her. Uh, while there was, there was Debbie Peterson, Vicki Peterson, and Michael Steele in the band, every young boy knew it was all about Susanna Hoffs. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, I am speaking of the band, the Bangles. Ah. Uh, oh, the Bangles uh, are great. Susanna Hoffs. Yeah. Uh, and the song, Manic Monday. So I'm, I'm breaking uh, uh, a little bit of the rules here, as the song was actually released on January 27th, 1986. You got to forgive me, though, because uh, I was trying to get inspiration tonight and I was listening to kind of a compilation on YouTube of songs from 1985. And this one was listed. Then I started doing the research and realized it wasn't. But the research was too interesting not to share. So it was released on Monday, January 27th, 1986. But it was recorded in 1985. uh, And it is the backstory that is intriguing. Manic Monday was written by. Christopher, a pseudonym based on the character the artist played in the film Under the Cherry Moon. He wrote it for the band Apollonia 6, but after he heard the Bengals' debut album, All Over the Place, he gave the song to the Bengals' rhythm guitarist, Susanna Hoffs, so she would sleep with him. While I don't know if she did sleep with the artist, I would think she would have rode with... uh, rode that little Corvette, and wore a raspberry beret while she creamed. Yes, Prince wrote Manic Monday for the Bengals. Did you know that, Billy? Yep. Well, fine. Ruined my surprise. So, uh, anyway. Well, if you just, yeah, if so if you just know, listen but, to it, it but, sounds uh, like... So, song written by... If you listen to it, it sounds like a Prince song. It really song. does. Now, here's I got a question it, it, for you. They said they did bangle it a little bit. They said they did. You have a question? No. Uh, yeah, I've got a question for you. What's your question? So the bassist for the Bengals, Mickey Steele. Yeah. Do you know what uh, band she was in before she was in the Bengals? No, I don't. She was a founding member of the Runaways. Really? So did she bail on the Runaways pretty early on before uh, Joan Jett and? Well, she was there before their and, first uh, album went went out. But yeah, she was a founding member of the Runaways. Okay. So then she left and joined the Bengals. Yep. Well, interesting. 
So, um, and it looks like the Bengals even still perform. Yep. Because it says they're still together. Well, a couple of them are still together. Yep. Yep. So, Mickey Steele isn't in the band anymore, but uh... anyway, a little softer than my. Yeah, I, and I still, you know, and and what was that? You are all over the place. You said Mickey Steele's. No, she literally. I, yeah, she hasn't been in for a while. Okay. Uh, what was it? Oh, but I still, when Susanna Hoffs does that crap with her eyes and walk like an Egyptian in that video, oh my God, every time. So, okay, but you, uh, but you cheated. anyway, so with, but you cheated. So, anyway, here is the Bengals with Manic Monday. tell it totally sounds like a prince song when you listen to it yeah yeah he actually wrote it in 1984 is apollonia six is that wasn't his wife named apollonia 
That was his girlfriend. She was the chick in uh, Purple Rain. Okay, there we go. So, yeah, she was. But, uh, she was the chick. Anyway, good, good. You know, I've never seen Purple Rain. No, oh, oh, she was the chick in that. All right, Beach. It is now time to look at week number fourteen in the Pac-12 and the final week of the regular season. Let me pull up Kyle's email. There we go. All right, Beach. We got one game on Friday. All the rest of the games are on Saturday. First up. Friday, November 29th, Washington State at Washington. Um, you want me to pick first? I'm going to pick Wazoo. Well, I'm going to pick Wazoo. Okay, because that was what I was going to pick too. Okay. Because right now, and Kyle? Kyle's at 45 out of 85. You're at 47 out of 85, and I am at 53 out of 85. So At this point, my goal is to just make sure – I'm going to be the first loser. I'm just going to make sure that Kyle's the second loser. Okay. That's my goal. All right. So. so Kyle said, my impression of Saturday. Yes, 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 no, sob. I also want to say that my prediction about Colorado was based on an absence of Ralphie Five. With the Roman numeral five on the helmet and the big send-off for the mascot, I don't see how they could have lost. So he's saying, if he would have known about all that, he would have picked Colorado. But he didn't, so he didn't. Ah. Okay, he moves on. Wazoo at Washington. Preseason, this might have been the Pac-12 North Championship game. Huskies lose, and with the previous losses to Stanford and Cal, end up at the bottom of the Pac-12 North standings. So he's picking Wazoo. We all pick Wazoo. Okay. All right, Beach. Wow. Uh, the last okay. the last five games are all on Saturday, November 30th. First up, Colorado at Utah. Mm-hmm. I will take Utah. <laughs> I'm not going to take Utah. I, th- I think Colorado had its moment last week. It's, it's going to get cold. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to take Utah. Kyle says Utes win, keeping that championship Game dream alive. And technically, Utah has to win this game to to uh, secure themselves the championship game. Because they're over, U- over yeah. USC. Because USC has two losses in conference. Utah has one. But Utah's loss is to USC. So if they both end up tied with two losses, USC would go over Utah. So what you're saying is, USC ain't playing this week, but they're going to be having a watching party for this game. Correct. Correct. Okay. All right. Alrighty. Who's next up? And next up, uh, the last non-conference matchup of the season, Notre Dame at Stanford. I'm going to take Notre Dame. Kyle just says Notre Dame. What are you taking? Stanford, are they? Do they have a quarterback? What, what's their weakness uh, yes, K, right now? KJ Costello was back. Their biggest weakness is they're not as good as they've been the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, Notre Dame has been good. I just, I don't know. It's kind of to me like that Colorado game. Mm-hmm. You know. 
they could step up and and uh, make something happen. I'm going to go with Stanford. I got one to give. Okay. Uh, next up, Cal at UCLA. Big brother, little brother. Um, I'm going to take Cal. Okay. Kyle says, ineligible for a bowl game, UCLA plays hard and beats a struggling Cal, and everyone is like, big win for Chip Kelly, and he gets a contract extension for going 5-7 and seven with a 7-5 and five team, and it's just a bunch of crap. <laughs> Kyle's taking UCLA. Um, I'm going to take Cal. I think that defense is pretty dang good. I'm going to take Cal. All right. Next up. Arizona at Arizona State. I'm going to take Arizona State. What do they call this game? It's for the Territorial Cup. That's right, the good old Territorial Cup. I'm taking Arizona State. Kyle is taking Arizona State. I'll take Arizona State. I think Arizona's just imploding. I think so, too. I, I don't know if someone's going to last much longer. I just He just kind of ruined Khalil Tate. I just don't think he knew what to do with him. Couldn't run his offense around the guy. All right, last up, Beach, Oregon State at Oregon. I'm going to take the Beavs. Kyle says, can the Beavs win? It seems to me the Beavs do well when they're playing risky football, squib kicks and double reverses and such, and fall flat when they're playing safe and smart football, run the ball so the other team has to use a timeout and try to run out the clock. Bees take chances and win big. They have shown they can do it on the road. So Kyle's taking OSU. Who are you taking? I'm taking OSU. All right. There you go. And Beach, you and I will be at the game on Saturday. You know, I, we, I was just I was over at mom and dad's house last night watching the game, and and, my, and mom made the comment. She's like, I just love the fact that you guys go to Civil War every year, and uh, I I do too. I mean, I I enjoy uh, our our trips down there, whether it be at, at at uh, at uh, Reeser or at Thomas J. Otsum, Oregon State Beaver Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize but, that uh, Thomas J. Otsum no, is it. the Beaver. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I uh, and I like going to our little Columbia uh, Columbia uh, Distributing Tailgater. tailgater That's yeah. always fun. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I, I also like the fact that we get seats with the Beaver fans because in the early on when we used to get the uh, the general admission, uh, we always got stuck next to some jackass. Remember the one the guy sat next to us and every freaking time, Ruben Rose, Ruben Rose. I forgot about that. <laughs> what, what what year was that with jackass. Ruben Jones? Oh my god! Oh my god! I can't remember. Much. Was that 20 years ago? I don't even oh, know. I'm looking it up I right now. I remember that jackass wouldn't shut up. He was a senior. Jeez, I forgot about that guy. Mm-hmm. Let's see. He's born in 78. I couldn't tell you any other. <laughs> he was drafted in 2000, so it had to be 1999. Was that what he Yeah. So that was 20 freaking years ago, Beach. I forgot that. Every time that they, he, they hand the ball to Ruben Jones, he turned around and looked at us and go, Ruben Jones! Ruben Drones! And it was like, what the hell, dude? Okay, Ruben Drones. Obviously, he's a running back. All right. I forgot about that. Oh, golly. 
But yeah, we'll be down yeah. there and uh <laughs> should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm hoping the beams play well. Uh I'm kind of with Kyle. I hope he makes take some chances, do some some fun plays. And uh, uh most importantly, I hope we play our best football. Yep. Because we're gonna need to. I agree. And uh, so. there's still a lot to play for. We can still go to a bowl game. Beaves going to a bowl game is a big thing. That's uh, ten extra practices yeah, and, and and more time for those uh those younger guys and it's just it only helps. It only helps. And just the whole thing of yeah. you know, going out to another new place and getting all that swag at a bowl game and all that kind of stuff. I think it's great. So Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, I, and I still remember freaking Belialotti when he downplayed, what did he get? Like the Alamo Bowler one time and or the Emerald Bowl, and he's like, this is beneath us. Yeah. And then he couldn't even win the damn game. Yep. And, again, I don't think any bowl game is beneath you. I think any time a team gets an opportunity to play after the season is over, they get postseason play, That that's that's a, a damned honor no matter what the bowl game is. Completely agree. So, of course, you want to go the highest you can go, but any opportunity. You know, there's a hell of a lot of teams out there that would give their left nut and their their right pinky to get a chance to play in a bowl game. I agree. So, um, I, I hope we get that chance. I agree. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 136 of the league participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, ask a question, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember, you can listen to us on whatever your favorite podcatcher is. Please leave a rating and review. Beach. It's been another good one. Hopefully next week. Billy. Hopefully next week we get together and talk about a uh, Civil War victory. Yes. And we got a one o'clock kickoff. So what time am I going to see you Saturday morning? Um, I have to work until ten o'clock Friday night. I think five to ten, five to twelve. I don't know. Some god awful hour. That wasn't my question. I said, what time am I going to see you Saturday morning? Oh, I'll probably be down there. What time do you want me down there? About uh, seven? I was thinking eight. Eight? Eight? Let's do eight. Okay. Sounds good. Anybody joining us? Uh, not that I know of. Is there anybody joining? Not that I know of. You're going to have to drive because I need to leave my truck here so Jess can go pick up our Christmas tree. Ooh. You want to get an artificial one? i got to put it in my festival. No, we get a real one. We, uh, the FFA is starting to sell them on Saturday, never, and they only sell so many Nordmans. I like the Nordman food. And there's only so many of them, and they start selling them Saturday morning. So she's got to go down there and pick one up early. So, anyways, until next week, here's a great big go beach. You got all your stuff ready?
I just have two things, right? Yep. I think so. I don't know what the hell I do. And your normal wit and wisdom. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, God, I guess. Mm. My wit and wisdom. Welcome to Illegal Participation. I am your host, Beege. Okay. I am the shit. <clears throat> yep, you are shitty. And with me, and with me as always, is my budhead brother, Billy. How you doing tonight, Billy? While USC survived a tumultuous second half of the Coliseum and a tumultuous half, while USC survived a tumultuous second half at the Coliseum and eliminated the rival Bruins from bowl contention.